we're uh, going to get right into the word today. And here's the question I have for you as we begin. How many of you get annoyed when you don't get your money's worth out of something? That should be every hand. Money doesn't grow on trees. How, did any of you get a Christmas present that you've already failed to get your money's worth out of? I actually did. I got an adapter for my phone, for my headphones. It literally broke in two after one use. So that wasn't even part of the sermon, but it made it in, so praise the Lord. Anyway, it is annoying when that happens, right? Um, and we've all done this. We've all gone to the store. We've all gotten groceries, brought them home, into the fridge they go, and then a week, two weeks, hopefully not much longer than that, you realize it's still there, and oh, it's not good anymore, and you gotta get rid of it. That's annoying. I can kind of live with it if it's like, we didn't eat this stock of celery and we have to throw it out, like, eh, it's okay. But there have been times where we've had, and don't judge me, we've had like meat in the fridge that for some reason we didn't eat and it went bad and we had to throw it out. And I will just tell you, it pains me at the soul level to have to throw meat in the garbage, okay? It really does. But it is annoying when that happens. And the reason why is because when you don't get your money's worth out of something, it's a failure to experience the fullness of that thing that you've acquired. You know, it was supposed to be this and you maybe got this. There's, there's potential and promise that doesn't really quite, you know, meet what it was supposed to be. What about in our faith? Before anyone panics about what I'm about to say next, no, our faith is not something that we pay for. We don't buy it. We don't earn it. It's a gift. But I think sometimes we have, you know, this kind of thing happen in our faith. And what I mean by that is we have the words of Jesus on the one hand. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I have come so that they may have life and life to the full. In other words, Jesus has some sort of life in mind for us. Do you know that today? Jesus has some sort of plan, some sort of target, some sort of goal, some sort of potential life for us. And like it says in that verse, it's a full life. It's a life of abundance. It's not, it's not nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, but it's a life of peace and a life of joy and a life of walking with Jesus and experiencing his presence and his power and, and living by his promises. And I would tell you, and you guys know this, you could testify to this, there is no life more full than the life lived in relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you agree? And so, when we are doing life, walking with Jesus, we have a whole bunch of things that happen, this full life, this life he's talking about. We change, we grow, our roots go deep, we experience joy and peace, and we have all the promises that God has, has promised us. We have a mission that we've talked about recently. We have purpose. We have eternal perspective. And the list goes on and on and on and on. All the benefits, all the fullness of this life that Jesus has talked about. Yet, and I don't say this condescendingly or judgingly, sometimes this is what Jesus is talking about, like this. Sometimes our experience is more like this. Sometimes we don't quite live uh, into the fullness of what he's talking about. And there's various reasons for this. There's various causes for this. But sometimes we end up kind of settling. And you hear tell of Christians all the time. Again, I'm not judging. 
I'll tell you why in a minute I'm not judging. You hear tell of Christians all the time who aren't growing, who aren't maturing. They're not uh, growing in their faith. They're not deepening their roots. They're not able to move past old hang-ups. They're, uh, they're not moving forward in their faith. They're, they're not plumbing the depths of this reality that Jesus has made possible for us. And if that sounds familiar to you, it should, because that's all of us from time to time. That's all of us. Now, in saying that, when I look at this verse, like that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your guys' lives. That's what your leaders want for you. And we can have that. This is not just some arbitrary thing that Jesus said that doesn't apply to us. This is something that we can have in this life as well as the next. And again, I will emphasize, this does not mean you'll be rich and healthy and famous, nothing bad will happen to you. That's not reality. But when we seek the Lord, when we walk with the Lord, when we grow in the Lord, we come to experience that life in greater measure. You guys tracking so far? And one of the ways, here's where I'm going with all this, one of the ways we can grow into this life, the life that Jesus has for us more increasingly, is through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Somebody say spiritual disciplines. You knew it was coming. Now, if that terminology is new for you, spiritual disciplines, here's what they are. Spiritual disciplines are things that you can intentionally do to spur on or help spur on growth in your faith. Help spur us on to this kind of life. It's one thing we can do, one tool of many that helps us live that life. One pastor put it, spiritual disciplines are habits of devotion and experiential experiencing Christianity that God's people have been doing down through the years. So spiritual disciplines are not attitudes. They're not just a state of mind. They're not just a metaphor. These are actual things that we set our minds and our hands to do. Got it? Does that make sense? Now, there are a number of spiritual disciplines, and we're actually going to talk about some of them in the coming weeks. It's going to be really good for us, just saying. Now, we're not going to talk about every possible thing that could maybe be a spiritual discipline, but there are some common ones, things like, and these aren't going to shock you, things like Bible reading. That's a spiritual discipline. Things like regular prayer. That's a spiritual discipline. Things like serving. Things like tithing. We've talked and talked about that. Things like fasting, which you're going to hear more about. And I don't know whether you'll like it or not, but I'm excited anyway. It's great. Things like uh, worship. That's a spiritual discipline. Solitude. Things like that are spiritual disciplines. Things that you intentionally do that help us uh, grow in our faith. Now, Today, I'm not going to talk about any one spiritual discipline. I'm going to talk about the heart of spiritual discipline. Somebody say the heart. The heart of spiritual disciplines. These are, I'm going to give you five principles in a minute of why these are important, why you should care, and why you should start to implement spiritual disciplines into your life, and why I should in my life. That's what we're going to do. But before I do that, I'm actually excited to share this. Um, I believe God actually gave me a word to share with you guys this week, which is pretty cool. How many of you guys know God speaks to his people, right? And he does that in all kinds of ways. And I think one of the ways he's done it this week is he told me something and said, tell those guys. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, what the Lord told me, and I'm really excited because this is the very start of the year and he's spoken already. So 
Here's what the Lord said to me this week. He said, tell the church this. He said, it's actually three words. Ready? He said, beyond Sunday morning. So he said to me, beyond Sunday morning. And uh, here's what I think the Lord was meaning when he said beyond Sunday morning. It is great that you're here. It is great that you're here. It is great that we're able to do this. We've got this awesome place to have Sunday morning. Like, as you know, no one's more excited than I am, right? But, and it's a blessing actually to be able to do it during COVID like we've already talked about. Like, I've already told you this. I don't take this for granted anymore because it could be, you know, just the, the snap of a fingers, can't meet anymore. Don't know when you will be able to again. So this is, this is awesome, we're not going to stop doing Sunday morning. I'm not saying, you know, and the Lord isn't downplaying our Sunday morning. This is important. Like, this isn't something, I know you guys are busy and have lots to do. Like, I want you to know the reason that we do Sunday morning is just because we think you have nothing better to do and we'll come hang out. You know what I mean? This is important. How many of you guys, just to make sure you're still with me, enjoy taking the time out of your Sunday morning to come and spend with your church family, Right? That's good. I'm glad that was pretty much all of you. So that's good. We'll work on the rest of you. Now, so, so we're not downplaying what we're doing on Sunday morning at all. Here's what the Lord was saying when he said, beyond Sunday morning. He said, if you would seek me more, if you would seek me beyond just that one hour a week, if you would seek me, you know, whatever you're seeking me looked like last year and the year before that, this is a new year, a new season. If you would press in, God said to us, this is for all of us. If you dig in, if you press in, I will do more in your lives, in your church, in your family than you might even be expecting or thinking that I can do. That's what the Lord was meaning when he said beyond Sunday morning. So spiritual disciplines, what a perfect way. And look, here's what's cool. We already, I was already going to talk about this. We were already going to do this. And the Lord said beyond Sunday morning. You know what spiritual disciplines are? They're beyond Sunday morning. That's what they are. So what a perfect thing that we're doing. So thank you, Lord, for that word. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into our principles here. Number one about spiritual disciplines. They can help us grow. Spiritual disciplines can help us grow. You say, no doy, right? But the reason I said it the way I did, they can help us grow. That does not mean it's a guarantee, Here's what I mean by that. You can do the spiritual disciplines, but do them with the wrong heart, maybe, or the wrong motives, maybe, or a bad attitude, maybe. I'm not God. He can do what he wants. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, he's probably not going to bless that, right, if we're doing something with a bad attitude. So it's not a guarantee. Now, we're talking about growing spiritually, becoming spiritually fit, right? And there are parallels to becoming spiritually fit with becoming physically fit. Now, you guys know that if you were to buy a gym membership, just because you've bought your gym membership and you got your little tag for your keys, that doesn't guarantee any results. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to get physically fit, right? Just because you get in your car and you drive to the gym and maybe even go in doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to be physically fit. Just because you get on a treadmill for two minutes does not mean that it's guaranteed you'll become physically fit. And the reason I'm laughing is because Lori and I used to have a gym membership, and there was one day we were in there, we're running on the treadmill, and this guy comes in, he's next to me, 
on a treadmill, and he dials her right up, eh? I don't know how fast he was going, but he's, that's moving. He's dialed right in. And he'd run for a couple minutes. You remember this, don't you? He's running for a couple minutes, and all of a sudden he would, you know what I mean? The rails on the side, he would stand off the side of the treadmill, take out his phone, and start texting. Or I don't know what he was doing. Having a great conversation with somebody, and the treadmill is still whipping underneath him, and the counter is still counting up, so, I don't know, say he was on the treadmill for 20 minutes, he probably only ran for 10. Say he ran for two miles, he probably only ran for one. So, you know what I mean? It's no guarantee is what I'm saying. But, but, when we practice the spiritual disciplines and when we accompany them with humility before God and a desire to seek him, what happens is that we tend to grow. We tend to grow. There's no guarantees, but the way that the Lord has set it up, that's what tends to happen. And here's what I want us to all be well aware of, is that God wants us to grow. Say that. Sometimes, like I think we know that, but I think we forget about it sometimes. And it's not just any growth, okay? It's not just grow in worldly ways. It's not just grow even to have more knowledge, God has a specific kind of growth in mind for us. I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to read a few scriptures to tell you that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, talks about attaining the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Look at this expression. To, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ who makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that phrase, the, the, the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're to grow into. Uh, another one, Colossians 2.19 is up there. It talks about holding fast to the head, which is Jesus, from whom the whole body grows with a growth that is from God. Notice in that one, the growth comes when we hold fast to Jesus, when we're connected in relationship to Jesus. That's when this growth happens. In Romans 8, 29, for those whom God foreknew, he also predestined, he had a plan for this, to be conformed to the image of his son. This growth that God wants for us, he wants us to grow in our Christ-likeness. That's what God wants and if you say, well, why, Braden? Why Christ-likeness? Why not, why not just be the best version of myself? I find that expression hilarious, by the way. But why not just something like that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is God. Because Jesus lived without sin. Because Jesus pleased God by the way that he lived. Because Jesus was and is and will continue to be perfect. That's why Christ-likeness. So his, Jesus, life is the image. It's the pattern. It's the precedent that we're to follow. When we're talking about growth, it's into his likeness. And we obviously won't always get that right. Like how many of you, maybe just a little bit, see about you know, growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and you think, oh, well, that's a long ways up, Right? Yes, it is, and we're not going to get it right all the time, but the good news is God has grace for us as we do this. So we ought to have grace for one another as we're all seeking the Lord and growing together. Does that make sense? Good. 
So if you, the point is though, if you claim Jesus as Lord, it's his likeness that you ought to be growing into, okay? The other thing on growth, again, so there's no confusion, we all still need to grow. How many of you know that you have not arrived yet? Well, you've arrived maybe somewhere, but it's not to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ yet. Now, we sometimes, again, act or just don't think or convince ourselves or whatever. Oh, I don't really need to do that. I don't really need to grow. I'm doing just fine myself. I'm, I'm you know, pretty good, whatever. No, that's not the case. This is deception. Actually, it says in 1 John chapter, I think, 2, if anyone claims he's without sin, he has deceived himself. How many of you want to be deceived, right? Obviously. But that's something that we're prone to, this deception. That's something that if we're not careful and diligent, we can fall into. Here's how I know. We as people get deceived all the time, or we deceive ourselves all the time. How many of you, now don't like raise your hand, but we've just come out of Christmas time. We've all eaten unhealthy. God has grace. It's cool. You ever had the thing where it's, oh man, I'm not eating very well. I got to like do a little better with that. So you, you go up to the, fr I've done this, I've done this, go up to the fridge, grab like a handful of spinach or something, stuff it in, chew it down, oh, I feel better already. Oh, the leafy greens, right? Like, oh, I, I think I could just feel the calories burning. I lost a pound just now, okay? And then we celebrate later with a bag of chips, right? You understand? Okay, that happens. That's deception. Another one, if that doesn't apply to you, I'm going to get you with this one. Oh, I have a dentist appointment in a week. Better start flossing, flossing right? Oh, because, because the dentist who went to school for 25 years is never going to be able to see through that ruse, right? And then you get there and you're in the chair and you've, you know, you're convinced you're going to fool the dentist and they're looking at you like you clearly have not flossed except for the last four days and they say, did you floss? And you say, uh-huh. Like, it's not, okay, it's deception. We're prone to this is all I'm saying. So let's just set the record straight. We all still need to grow. Would you agree? So if any of us ever get to a point where we're not growing or we're saying, I don't need to grow or frankly, I just don't care about growing, listen, we've been hoodwinked. That's not the life that Christ has called us to. That's not the life that he has for us, life to the full. So we're talking about growth and spiritual disciplines can help us grow. That's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this. Okay, we've got to move on. Number two, spiritual disciplines are called disciplines for a reason. Probably doesn't shock you. That word discipline is in the Bible a lot of times, and when it's in Scripture, it's used in a few different uh, contexts. One of the things it can mean when the Bible uses the word discipline, uh, it can mean train, educate, teach. So when you see that those words, discipline, train, educate, teach, those are words of intentionality and words of growth, frankly, but it's, it's things that you have to be intentional about doing. 1 Timothy 4.8 actually tells us to train ourselves for godliness. And that word train in that verse is the word gumnazo in the Greek. Somebody say gumnazo. It's your Greek lesson for the day. Maybe for the year, I don't know. Anyway, that word gumnazo comes from our, well, our English word gymnasium comes from that word. And you can tell just the word picture of the word gymnasium. That's a place where you put in the work. You put in the blood, sweat, and tears. You grind it out and as you strive to become more fit, 
right? That's where we're at. So spiritual disciplines are about putting in the work and doing so intentionally uh, and consistently. And here's the thing about that. That doesn't tend to come naturally for us. Spiritual disciplines won't be very natural for us in some ways. Psychologically, as humans, I'm no psychologist, but I know enough to know that a lot of times we as people take the path of least resistance, right? In this situation I'm in, what's the thing I can do? What's the path I can take that will be the least amount of work and the least amount of pain? Okay, I'll do that. There's also a spiritual component to this as well. Here's what happens. Actually, I'll ask you this. This is a true or false. When we come to Christ, we become new creations. True or false? That's true. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So that's, that's the reality that we as believers are in. We're new creations. At the same time, though, and you guys know this, our old selves, our old lives, our old ways, our old sinful nature, our flesh, the Bible calls it, wages war against us, right? So at the same time, like you're saved, you know, I'm not talking about like losing your salvation or something, but we've got this new creation thing that we are, and we're also combating against the flesh. And that's the struggle, that's, the, that's what we deal with our whole lives, right? Because of that, because of our flesh, listen to me, your flesh will resist spiritual disciplines. That's the last thing your flesh wants to do. And your flesh will come up with all kinds of reasons and excuses. Most of them are bad. Oh, I, uh, it's too hard. I can't do that. I can't read my Bible every day, for instance. I'm too busy. That one's as old as the day is long. Frankly, I just don't care. Our flesh will tell us things like this. And I would just, I want to just speak against that because does that sound like something that is of God? Does that sound like something the Lord would say? Oh, Braden, don't worry about, you're, you don't need the spiritual disciplines. You're doing just fine, buddy. Don't worry about that. Like, that's not what the Lord's going to say. Matter of fact, it says in Romans 8, 7 that the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. So God wants to do something in our lives. God has this kind of life for us, but the flesh is hostile against that. And he's going to do it. The, the enemy is going to do everything he can do to lead us away from this path that God has and down this other one. He wants to get us not reading our Bibles, not praying, not doing anything spiritual discipline-wise. And he takes a whole bunch of the power that God might work through our lives and the growth that God might bring in our lives and he just, just neutralizes it. It's gone. And we just float along. Spiritual disciplines require that consistency. It's not drifting. How many of you know if you're in a river, you only drift one direction, right? You're not gonna drift closer to Christ. You're not gonna get closer to Christ by not doing anything, Right? That's deception. And again, I will just emphasize, I'm not talking about working for your salvation. You're saved, fully saved, new creation. And yes, it's not all about just our effort. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us, and we need God's grace when we stumble. But I'm saying none of that excuses us from putting in the work. You understand? As we purposefully engage consistently, deliberately, consciously in the spiritual disciplines, it's going to help us come into that life. Okay, number three, spiritual disciplines are meant to be exercised alone and with others. Alone and with others. It's kind of a neat paradox because 
Spiritual disciplines aren't to be practiced in just one realm. It's a both and. You can do certain things like pray by yourself and you can pray with other people. We just prayed together a minute ago, right? You can read your Bible on your own and you can read your Bible with others. You can worship by yourself and like we have done and are gonna do, we're gonna worship together. You understand? Both, both contexts are good and super necessary, okay? We should be acting in both of those uh, areas. Here's what I want to really hit on, though, is there's a special emphasis on doing spiritual disciplines by yourself. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say one is more important than the other, but there's a special kind of growth. There's a special kind of thing that happens when we do these on our own. And this is just a personal observation of mine. If you do spiritual disciplines by yourself in your own life, I would say, again, there's no guarantees, but I'd say it's probably likely you're gonna do them or you're at least willing to do them with others. In other words, if you pray regularly by yourself, it's not gonna be a foreign concept for you and you're not gonna be totally weirded out if someone asks you to pray in front of others. It's just an extension of what you're already doing. If you read your Bible by yourself you know, regularly, it's not gonna be weird for you to say, oh, let's open the scriptures together, you understand? Here's the thing, doing spiritual disciplines with other people, again, it's great, let's do that, but it doesn't guarantee at all that you're gonna do them by yourself. There's no guarantee at all. There's a big difference between, yes, I'll come to church, I'll sing the songs, I'll pray the prayers with everybody, I'll you know, crack open my Bible when the preacher's preaching. You guys all know that doesn't mean anything about what happens when you go home. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't uh, translate to any sort of guarantee you'll do that on your own. So we need to be doing them both, but there's that special emphasis on doing them by yourself. Again, it's beyond Sunday morning. Beyond Sunday morning. Okay, number four then. Spiritual disciplines are seen in the scriptures. This one's really important because if there's no guidelines, if there's no sort of metric by which to measure or, or to, to look at, then the spiritual disciplines are just subjective, right? It's whatever you think or whatever my experience is, right? That's where people say, well, I don't know about you, but I feel closer to God when I'm by myself in the woods than I do when I'm in a church building. We've all heard that one. Some people will say, well, I feel that a good bit of yoga is really, you know, connects me spiritually. That really works for me. Somebody says, I feel most fulfilled when I'm in the hockey rink, okay? I don't know. I just made that up. We need some sort of standard or guideline or clue or cue as to what actually constitutes a spiritual discipline. And fortunately for us, we've got one. It's right here. Spiritual disciplines, like I said, they're not just subjective or based on your experience. These are, spiritual disciplines are things that we can open God's word and see them in here, things that God has said or shown us already that can be profitable for our growth and our Christ-likeness. So we don't have to guess. We don't have to, you know, scratch our heads and wonder. It's right here. So if you're doing something in your life, in your walk, something that you just consistently do and you think, well, this is really good for me, that's great. Just make sure it's in here. My guess is that if it's something that genuinely leads you closer to Christ, it's probably in here. Now, like I said, we're not gonna talk about every spiritual discipline in the coming weeks. So if you come across one or you're doing one in your life, and you say, hey, they never talked about it at church. That doesn't mean it's not a thing. Again, measure it by the book. That's what is up. That's what's important. And uh, yeah, they're seen in the scriptures. 
Finally, number five then. You guys doing all right? Everybody doing okay? Okay, good. Number five, this one's super important. Spiritual disciplines are a means, not an end. You guys know the language of means and ends, right? Like a means, means, a means, I don't know. Means are things that you do or use to get you to something else or to get you someplace else. So my parents have a granddaughter in Prince Edward Island. And they, when they go, they use the Confederation Bridge. The goal is not, okay, we got to the bridge. This is the end. Let's turn around. That would be foolish and kind of expensive. Turn around before you get to the toll booth at the other end. I don't know. No, the bridge is a means. They go across it to get to PEI to see their granddaughter and their son and his wife, mostly the granddaughter. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway, you get that. Now, as it pertains to spiritual disciplines, there's a couple of things that can happen to us if we're not careful. One of them we've already talked about. It's if we're not careful, we can drift. We can just go down this road of eventually I'm not even doing anything in my faith. I'm just kind of existing. The other thing that can happen, though, on the other extreme, you can do the spiritual disciplines. You dig right in. You're doing them all. But if we're not careful, we could start to do them religiously. And this is the thing. Actually, this is the thing. Some of you guys are going to have to work your way through this and, and kind of fight against this. The goal of spiritual disciplines, guys, is not just to do them. They're a means, not an end. They're supposed to get us somewhere else, to something else. And so we're going to have to fight that tendency. Some of you guys, like, I know how I'm wired. I'd probably be more on this one. You guys know. Read my Bible, check prayed, check, and I mean that's fine, I'm not saying it's sinful to literally cross it off a list, but like where's your heart in that? Yeah, you read your Bible, you prayed, did you meet with the Lord in it? Did you seek the Lord in it? Have, are you growing in your Christ-likeness because of these things? The goal isn't just to do them. The goal is not for you just to do the spiritual discipline so you can lie in your bed at the end of the day and think, man, I feel good, I'm so religious. That is so not the point. You don't practice spiritual disciplines to be more religious. You practice spiritual disciplines to become more like Christ. And when it becomes more about the things that you're doing, excuse me, whew, the things that you're doing and less about Jesus, that's a clue that it's becoming an end for you and not a means. You understand what I'm saying? But they are a means to an end. And what I want to do is uh, bring the band up now. We're going to have the band. You guys missed the band last week? I did. I want to talk about, when I say there are means, not an end, I want to talk about the end a little bit. And we kind of already have. What is the end? What is the goal? What is the point? What is the purpose of spiritual disciplines? We're going to be talking about them for a number of weeks. I want you guys to understand what's going on here. The goal of spiritual disciplines, here's how I could sum it up. And I think it's on the screen. Yes, it is. The goal of spiritual disciplines is growing in Christ while going with Christ for the glory of Christ. See that? Growing in Christ while going with Christ for the glory of Christ. Grab your Bible, turn it to John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 of John 15, and you're going to see that language of growing and going and glory in there. Look at this. This is Jesus talking. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You're already saved. You're not working for that. You're already saved. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at that verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you could go back to that last slide, Hazel, if you don't mind. If you look in here, the going with and the growing with, a one before that would be great, please. If you look at this language, growing in Christ, you can see it in here. Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. That's how, that's bio, uh, botany, biology. That's how that all works when stuff grows together. It's connected to a source. Uh, the, the going with Christ. Look, the word abiding is in here about 600 times in eight verses, right? Abiding is talking about holding fast to Jesus, walking with him, doing life with him, seeking him, being connected in relationship to him. It's not just going to church. It's not just being religious. It's doing life with Jesus. And all of it is for the glory of Christ, like we saw in verse 8. As all of this happens, we bear fruit. God cultivates fruit in us and it brings him glory. When that happens, when we start to see that in our lives, when we start to work toward that life Jesus has for us, increasingly, it glorifies God. It points to him. It points to how good he is. It points to his faithfulness and his, his capability and his strength to show up and do things in our lives. And so, this is the first Sunday, guys, of the new year. And I'm excited I'm really excited. I don't know what this year is going to bring. I don't know whether we're going to have COVID again and not be able to meet. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe we'll, the vaccine will be great and we'll be in green. I don't know. But what I do know is that the old is gone and there are new opportunities here. And again, we have seen, I just would call this to your mind, we have seen God move in our church in recent history. Would you agree? We have seen God move. This building, other things, God is with us. God is with us. And then him giving us this word of beyond Sunday morning. Look, again, it's the first Sunday of the year. It's January the 3rd, and God has already spoken. So let's go, okay? If he's speaking, let's obey his voice. Let's trust him. Let's take a step of faith this year. And what he's leading us to, this beyond Sunday morning, this, this life that he has for us, let's take the first step today. Let's step into that today. Let's say, okay, you know what? My life has been whatever it's been, good, bad. It's been this way, that way. I'm seeking you, Jesus, today. I'm gonna step into you, Jesus, today. And can you imagine what God can do in our church, in our family, in your life, if we press in and seek what he has for us this year? Can you even imagine what God might do? So the choice we have to make is very simple. Will we do it? Will we press in? Will we seek the Lord? Will we be consistent and deliberate and intentional in our faith this year? Will we seek the Lord beyond Sunday morning? Will we seek whatever he has down that road for us? I actually want to hear you. Is this something that you are willing to do this year? If you're with me, say amen. What we're praying for this year, we actually prayed about this on Wednesday morning, the group of us. 
is for a year of increase. That's been on my heart for a few weeks, a year of increase. And I mean increase in any way you can think of as a church. I'm talking about an increase for us in our love for the Lord. Like I'm praying, God, cultivate, bring about that increase in us. What about love for one another? That one's cool. I already love you guys. And there's like even way more that can come of that if we seek the Lord in that. So I'm praying for an increase in that. What about things like salvations? How many of you guys would like to see more people get saved this year? See an increase in that, right? So I'm praying, Lord, yes for that. He's, yes. Um, what about things like financially? We've talked about tithing and giving and all that. I'm praying for an increase there. I'm praying for, look, this isn't the be all end all. I'm praying for uh, an increase just in numerical growth for our church. Wouldn't it be great to see more people here as the year goes on, right? So all across the board, I'm praying for increase. Here's the thing. God is the God of increase. God is the Lord of the harvest. So if we want to step into that, that reality, if we want to see an increase happen in our church, in our hearts this year, we've got to take that step toward Him. God is going to do what only He can do, but we need to do what He's laying in front of us to do. So spiritual disciplines, again, I'm excited to dig into that in the coming weeks. We've got a bunch of people who are going to preach. It's going to be great. But for today, it's all about the heart and if we're willing to do this. So here's what I want to do. Are you guys good? We're good? Everything's good? Okay, let's get on our feet then. We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to pour ourselves out to the Lord this morning. And here's a great time to start. Look, don't just sit here or stand here in your seat. Mm -hmm. Worship the Lord. What an opportunity this is to seek Him and go after Him. So let's pray together. God, we acknowledge Your Lordship today. We acknowledge that You are God. We are not, but we are Your people. We are the sheep of Your pasture. And God, we love that that's the way that it is. God, we know that our lives flourish and work the best when You're on the throne and we're not trying to steal it from You. So God, I'm praying today in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us? Would you come and fill our hearts? Would you come and fill our minds? Fill our desires? Would you come and start to change us on the inside? And God, as it pertains to something like spiritual disciplines, I pray that you would give us a desire on the inside to do this, to do these. God, I'm praying that a year from now, on January the whatever, 2022, we can look back and see, wow, look what the Lord has done in our church this year. Look, all, like, yes, we took a step of faith. We, we took a leap. We started doing what the Lord wanted. We were engaging spiritual disciplines, all that. But look at what the Lord has done through that. Look at what God has done. Lord, we're praying for an increase this year. Let it begin in this place right now, today. Let it begin as we sing to you, as we lift our hearts and our praise to you, as we give ourselves to you. Let it be so in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.